Welcome everyone. So thankful you could join us today for worship at Heritage Church. Shout out to our men at Kiwani and those of you at home and online. It's going to be a great time of worship today. So we exist as a church to help you connect to God through personal and corporate worship, through song and prayer and teaching, to each other in community gatherings and groups to encourage and support you, and to your purpose as a child of the Creator God of the universe. Today, we're starting a new set of conversations in our Fit for Life journey about our spirit. Now, we've already talked about how to be fit in our minds and our bodies, but our spirit is something unique and is worth some examination and some discussion. Uh, we likely all have various views on what our spirit is, what it does, or even for the most basic question, does it really even exist at all? So I'm glad that you are here today to journey with us as we turn our attention to God through the practices of prayer and worship. I would invite you to engage as fully as you can. Read the words of the songs, sing along with us, step into the prayers with us. We believe that if you take a step towards God in these next moments, he will reveal himself to you in new and exciting ways. Because it says in the Bible, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. So draw near with us today and expect great things as we join together in the house of the Lord. Accepted, redeemed by His grace. Let the 
Hey friends, this is the moment in our service that we get to come together in prayer. Now this is such an incredible and sacred part of our service that we get to participate in together. And I believe that it helps us tune in to the heart of God and to position ourselves to receive all that he has for us today in his word. Now, as you've already learned, we are starting a new conversation today within our Fit for Life journey, focusing on Holy Spirit. So for our time together in prayer today, I want us to participate together in a breath prayer. Now, breath prayer is simply a bodily expression of worship that helps in engaging our whole selves in body, mind, and spirit to come before the Lord and engage our minds on his word. It is a way of prayer that the church has used for centuries, intentionally designed to help us align our breath with words or phrases. And it helps us remind ourselves that God's presence is as near to us as our very breath. Think about how amazing that is, that the God of the universe is the same God whose life, spirit, presence, and breath fills our lungs. Actually, Acts 17, 24 through 25 says this, The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything, but rather he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. Now today, I wonder what it would look like if we, if you, if me, allowed our whole selves to slow down and just be before the living God to give God our complete attention, laying down just for a moment the tasks of the day or the pressure to accomplish everything and just be. My friends, God sees you. God hears you. He is for you and he loves you. So the invitation today is simply to come before him and to breathe and find rest knowing that Holy Spirit is with us and within us. So we are going to begin this prayer with doing something that you are already doing. So take a moment now just to close your eyes and surrender anything 
that is pulling your attention from this moment. And take a few big breaths and breathe in and breathe out. And again, breathe in and breathe out. Let's do it again. Breathe in, Holy Spirit, and breathe out. Psalm 46 says this, Be still and know that I am God. So we continue to breathe. And let's use this verse as a prayer, allowing ourselves to breathe in and out on each phrase. Like this, breathe in, be still, breathe out, and know. Breathe in, that I breathe out and God. Now let's bring our focus to just the phrase, be still and know. As we breathe, let's breathe in together. Be still, breathe out and know. One more time, breathe in, be still, breathe out and know. Now, as you continue to breathe, Let's narrow our focus to be still. Breathe in, be still. Breathe out. Breathe in, be still. Breathe out. Now as you continue to breathe, take a moment as we close this time of prayer to just breathe and be in the loving presence of God as we prepare to dig into the Word together. What is it that you want to be when you grow up? That question is one that can strike fear and anxiety into us or expectation and wonder, especially depending on the age and stage of life where you find yourself. A simple question that invites us to dream, to reflect, to live into opportunity or even pause in a space of regret. Just recently, I had a conversation with a heritage family member stepping into retirement and the first thing they told me is, you know, Jeremiah, I still don't know what I want to be when I grow up. And I think in the heart of that question and conversation is really an awareness of our createdness to thrive, that we were made to thrive, to have purpose and fulfillment in life, that God made us for those things. And when it comes to how we live in our day-to-day, -day, the roles that we play are some of the spaces where we look first and foremost for that space of fulfillment and purpose. It reminds me of a conversation I had unsolicited actually with my daughter Jubilee when she was four years old. She ran up to me one day and with great excitement said, Daddy, I know exactly what I'm going to be 
when I grew up. When I asked her what it was, she went on this lengthy tirade about her dream vocation. It was to be a nail-painting veterinarian farmer. And in her mind, those three things are not separate invitations, but one glorious vocation where she would get to spend time making people feel beautiful by painting their, na their nails in loud colors. And then she would go to people's houses and help them fix the pets that they love before heading back to her own farm to take care of her own animals. She changed her tune a little bit when she discovered that farms were not, in fact, day spas for animals, but, but were working spaces where we use animals for what they can provide. But again, as I've interacted with her from that time forward, the invitation I have for her is, is not to identify now that she's 10 what career she'll choose, but to live into a space where she experiences and knows the thriving that Jesus alone can bring the purpose and fulfillment that she's made for, not just when she grows up, but right now, today, in the spaces of school and life and family. You see, that's part of the invitation of what we have been walking through in this conversation we've called Fit for Life, where we believe God is inviting us to be fully alive in connecting with God and one another in our purpose in body, mind, spirit, and community. And today, we're digging into conversation around spirit. Spirit is, at once, one of the most substantial conversations we're going to have, but it's also one of the most mysterious. And so, to live into this conversation, to, to kind of frame the way we're going to journey and get the most out of what God might say to us as we ask him to help us be fully alive in spirit. We're going to spend today just looking at a few foundational truths, some basic assumptions throughout Scripture about the realm of spirit, about what it means for us to be people of spirit and to experience and encounter God's spirit in very real, very profound ways that can change everything for us. And as we do that, I am convinced we will there find spaces of purpose and of fulfillment unlike any other. So let's dig in together. The first kind of key understanding, the basic handhold that we each need to, to get a hold of and that, that runs throughout Scripture is the reality and understanding that spirit is life. Now, that may not, that may not sound grammatically correct, but it is true. Spirit is life. We see that throughout the scriptures. In fact, we see it at the very beginning of the story of the world, when the Spirit of God is hovering over chaos and brings it into fullness of life and water, or, and brings it into fullness of life and flourishing. We see it then when God himself interacts with creation and forms man out of dust of the ground. And this is where we pick up that story in Genesis chapter 2. As God is created man. It says, the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. The word for breath and breathing there is spirit. There's a very real sense that the spirit of God who brought everything into order is now breathing spirit into this empty shell and it's what brings animation into humanity. It's what moves us, what drives us, what really gives us 
life. Spirit is life. We cannot separate the two. And in case we think that might be possible, later on in the story of these people that we just read about, and in the story of the people of God, they start making decision after decision that are actually contrary to God's spirit, contrary to the way that God invited them to live, cultivated them to be, called them to follow. And what we discover is that the further they move away from the way of God's spirit, the closer and closer they move into the way of death because spirit is life. It's illustrated in a moment where one of God's messengers, called a prophet in the book of Ezekiel, is given a message to speak over the people who feel like all of their dreams are shattered, as though something catastrophic has occurred because of the decisions they have made to move away from spirit and life and into the way of selfishness and death. This is what we see in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 37, as the people are, in a sense, crying out to God for hope, and everything seems lost. You could say each of their dreams, desires, and plans have died long ago. This is what the Lord says to them through his messenger. Ezekiel 37, this is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. The prophet finds himself in a valley full of dry bones, people long dead. Again, hope gone. Life is long past. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make, here it is, breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then, don't miss this, then you will know I am the Lord. You see, even as these people have moved further and further away from the way of life, as they've forgotten that spirit is life, God, the author of life, breathes spirit into them. And then he says, you will know, I am the Lord. I am the one who is trusted. I am the one who leads in the way of life. I am the one whose spirit resides within you. You see, spirit is life. We have mind, body, spirit, because God has given us spirit. It's really a challenging space for many of us because, as I mentioned earlier, it's such a substantial conversation, but so full of mystery. And one of the kind of reframing invitations for us is to realize that we don't just have a spirit, we are spirit. Throughout the scriptures, there's this reality that our spirit, our soul, is perhaps the most eternal thing about us. It's the most real thing in the world that we're a part of. And yet, because it's so often unseen, it can be forgotten. But here we see a picture of a loving God who says to people, even though you have chosen the way of destruction, even though you've gone into a way where now it feels like life is gone and hopelessness rules the day, I will breathe my spirit into you and you will really live. This is significant. It's seen as a promise that for so long was yet unfulfilled. But now I want to read to you one more passage of scripture. One more in this sense of what it means that spirit is life. 
It's actually after Jesus has ministered in the world. He has raised the dead and healed the sick. He has taught incredible teachings. He has died on the cross, paid our debt, risen from the dead. And now that he is alive and risen, we see this interaction with his first followers. This is in John chapter 20. He says, it says, again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. This is the fulfillment of what we have just read. Jesus, very intentionally, in the words he uses and the posture he takes, is bringing his followers and us back to that first moment long, long ago when God's own spirit hovered over chaos and brought it into order, when God breathed his life into humanity, when he promised that even in spaces of hopelessness and catastrophe, he could breathe life into dry bones. And here we see it happening, promise fulfilled. And what's interesting to me is that Jesus doesn't just say, so now sit in that and be joyful. No, he says, I am sending you in the same way as Father has sent me. And then he breathes on them. The sending act of new creation is a new spirit to live within us. The fulfillment that God would transition our hearts of stone for hearts of flesh that we could really live. Because you see, spirit is life. We cannot separate the two. And when we leave the way of God's best plan for us, when we choose a different direction, what the scriptures call the way of flesh, then we actually move ourselves away from life and toward the things of a very real, very permanent death. As those who are actually invited to eternal, thriving life. It's tragic, but it's true. And yet Jesus shows us he has come by his life, death, and resurrection to offer a new spirit for a new day, one that you and I can live in and receive. You see, our spirit really only comes to life as we commune with God's spirit, because that's what we're made for. So in a sense, that's the first assumption, that you and I are made to live, and life is spirit. Spirit is life. We can't tease those two things apart. So that's the first key understanding. File that away because it's going to be important for further conversation in a little while. The second key understanding that the scripture writers seem to have for us that, that we really need to grab a hold of and carry with us throughout this conversation is not just that spirit is life and life is spirit, but that you and I are made as sons and daughters. You and I are made as sons and daughters, as those who were meant for deep and abiding connection with God and his spirit. We are not created just to go about life on our own, but we're actually invited into a way of living. We were made for a way of living where thriving, where purpose and fulfillment are found in relationship with God as father and us as his children. This is laid out pointedly and clearly in the book of Romans chapter eight. 
this man named Paul is writing to a whole group of followers of Jesus as they are struggling to find fulfillment and purpose, as they're struggling to understand what it means to really be alive with spirit and one another. And here's what he says to us. Remember, spirit is life. To move away from spirit is to move toward death. We just covered that. And so here's where he picks it up in this conversation that you and I are made as sons and daughters. He says, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those, don't miss this, for those who are led by the spirit of God are children of God. The spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him, by the spirit, we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. You see, you and I are made as sons and daughters. But what's significant in this passage of scripture is actually that we see the term children mentioned twice. Those two words for children are actually two different terms in the original language. One of them is the picture that you might think of when you think of a little kid. When it says that by him we call out Abba, Father, and that the Spirit testifies with our spirit that we are God's children, it's a term that means loved little kids, ones who can crawl up into their dad's lap and say, you're my dad and I love you. It's this picture of, of little kids who are wholly dependent on their father for what they get, for how they live, but that he can be trusted, that he's good. That's the second term. The first time we bump into the term children, though, it's a different word altogether, and it's one that means mature or trusted sons and daughters. You see, when the original hearers heard these words, they would have had the picture of someone in mind who is a trusted adult son or daughter who carries with them the full authority of their family, a son or daughter who could walk into any establishment and represent their father in the fullness of authority. They could sign the check and watch it cash. They could speak as though the father were speaking through them. And so when the writer says, as many as are led by the spirit of God, these are the trusted and mature sons and daughters of God. This is our invitation, yes, to trust God as though we are his little children, but to live in the fullness of maturity and live as though Jesus is our brother. To live, the invitation here, the picture, is one of a child who, even from a distance, has matured to the point physically that they could be mistaken for their parent, that they, they represent and reveal him or her so well that it's obvious whose child they are. I think the writer on purpose used both of these terms. One to say, yes, we are invited into a space of trust, of 
fellowship of connection with God through Holy Spirit, that his spirit reminds us we are his and he is ours. The same writer in another space says that Holy Spirit is actually the seal of our salvation. It's, it's the thing that is proof positive of our redemption. It's a reminder that we are his sons and daughters. Yes, that is true. But the invitation that those who are led by the Spirit of God, these are the children of God, is a call for each of us to choose the way of maturity, to set aside selfishness and choose the way of life, the way of spirit. Another way maybe we could say that is there is a difference in being childlike and childish. And some of us have chosen when it comes to the way of following Jesus, a childish way of living, one that is all about us, all about our preferences, all about the things we want, when we want it, how we want it. And we live in perpetual frustration and disappointment with those around us and with God himself because we have a childish understanding of what he's inviting us into. As a, as a pastor and a leader in this last season, one of the most heartbreaking things I've encountered over and over again are those who call themselves mature sons and daughters actually choosing the way of selfishness and childishness. When we have been positioned, and this is what the writer is reminding us, if we are followers of Jesus who have his spirit, we have been positioned to offer the way of life, to offer spirit and truth and goodness, not in our own strength, but empowered by Holy Spirit himself to lead those around us in the way of spirit. It will require us choosing a childlike trust and laying aside the ways of childish living. This is the invitation here. It's a beautiful one. It's difficult to process, but I'm excited about what it means for all of us together as we choose life in the spirit and live as sons and daughters. So that's the second kind of key understanding we need to carry with us through this conversation. One is that spirit is life. The other is that we are meant to live as sons and daughters. And finally, the, the, the last kind of handhold, it's not the last one in scripture, but it's the last one we have time for here today, is that the struggle is real. The struggle is real. We kind of indicated that even in our last bit of conversation. But here's the truth. If spirit is perhaps the most real thing about us, then the reality of the spiritual realm is just as much a real part of what it looks like to live this life, to move toward purpose and thriving and fulfillment. The struggle that we encounter in that is a very real thing. The same writer who just invited us into a mature way of living as sons and daughters says this to a church struggling with their identity in Jesus. In Ephesians chapter 6, he reminds them of this. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. The writer is saying, the struggle is real. Don't be surprised when, as a person of spirit, you encounter opposition. Don't be surprised or frustrated when it feels like you are living in the way of life and light, but you find yourself stepping into spaces of darkness and death, because that actually is the invitation for followers of Jesus, 
to be those who carry spirit and life, who are activated by Jesus himself when he breathes on us and says, receive Holy Spirit and go live sent as I have been sent. It is an invitation to be people who take the light of his kingdom, the goodness of who he is, the life of his spirit into spaces that are desperate for it. But that means we will enter into spaces where all hell is breaking loose against life and truth and goodness and light. The struggle is real, but we shouldn't be surprised about it. In fact, if we back up just a moment, the writer says, finally, friends, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. And then later on in the conversation, he says, hey, by the way, use the sword of the spirit, which is God's word, and pray in the spirit on all occasions for all of your brothers and sisters who are living what it means to be people of purpose and fulfillment in a space where the struggle is real. Here's the invitation. It's to receive Holy Spirit, to let him be the one who leads us and guides us. Because you see, Jesus promised his spirit. He actually said that you and I, if we're in Jesus himself, would receive his spirit. And his spirit, communing with ours, would allow us to do and be part of greater things than even Jesus did. I really believe that. I really believe that Holy Spirit is a gift for us. One, the scriptures say, leads us into all truth, a comforter and a guide, the revealer of things kept secret, the one who teaches us the covenant truths of God, the one who brings unity and purpose, who brings fulfillment and strength. Holy Spirit is the one who will heal and provide, who leads us in the way we ought to go when we know no other way. He is the promised gift of God himself. The greatest gift of Holy Spirit is Holy Spirit. Because remember, Spirit is life. We are meant, we are made as sons and daughters of the living God who, yes, we live in a space of struggle and we ought not be surprised when we bump into symptoms of that struggle, but we live in confidence knowing this. The God who made us sustains us. He has given us his spirit. The spirit who we have leads us and keeps us, and we can have confidence in him no matter what we're facing. So I wonder if, if maybe instead of asking ourselves, what do we want to be, where do we want to be when we grow up or do when we grow up? The invitation is actually to ask ourselves this. Who's God inviting me to be right now? If the Spirit of God is alive, if I was made for communion with God and His Spirit, who is God inviting me to be right now, today? What would it look like for you if you were absolutely convinced God's Spirit is with you, that He's making a way where there seems to be no way, that you can live with hope and confidence and authority what would change for you today in that broken relationship, in the way you're choosing to spend your money, in where you're choosing to send your eyes or your heart, 
in how you're investing in the people around you and how you are ordering your days. What would change? You were absolutely convinced that Jesus is alive and he's given us his spirit. This, friends, is something I am desperate for you to encounter. I believe, I believe if you live into life in Jesus and the life of his spirit, everything will change. That you will live in freedom and purpose and fulfillment like you have never, ever imagined. And that when we do that together in community, we become a force unstoppable for the sake of the name of Jesus, of life, of flourishing, of thriving for all of those around us. The invitation begins here. Who do you want to be today? If you've never stepped into relationship with Jesus, that is your first step. It's the first way to move back towards spirit and life, to receive the gift of fullness and life and spirit that he has. If you've done that, but you recognize that you've been living in spaces and places that are actually moving you away from life and toward the things that scripture would say are flesh or death, then I encourage you, ask Holy Spirit for the courage to say no to those things and yes to him alone. And see what he does. And then once you've done that, pray for your family, Pray for your community, pray for your coworkers, pray for this day and for yourself that God would do impossible, incredible things among us. I'm confident, I'm confident that when we cry out to him, he hears us. He desires us to know life, to know sonship and daughtership with him and to stand firm even when it's hard to experience his goodness every day. Who are you being invited to be right now? Let's pray. Holy Spirit of the risen Jesus, we need you. Oh Lord, we have, we have our own plans of what we want to be or become, our own desires and designs of what it looks like we think for us to find purpose and fulfillment. But you are the author of life. You are the one who activates us and enlivens us. Without you, there is no life. And so we ask you, pour yourself out afresh upon us. Enliven us, we pray. Call these dry, dead bones to life, to fulfillment, to purpose in a way that we never even knew how to ask for before. We ask these things. We ask them confidently because of who you said you are, because of what you've revealed about yourself in your word, because you are the God who breathes life. You are the one who allows us to stand. You are the one who invites us to be your children. Show us what it means to live that way right now today. We ask these in the strong and mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Unravel me with a melody You surround me with a song Of deliverance from my enemies Till all 
what freedom feels like. This is what heaven sounds like. We praise you, we praise you. This is what living looks like. This is what freedom feels like. This is what heaven sounds like. We praise you, we praise you. This is what living looks like. This is what freedom feels like. This is what heaven sounds like. We praise you, we praise you. This is what living looks like. This is what freedom feels like. This is what heaven sounds like. We praise you, we praise you. See you break down every wall. We watch the giants fall. We fear cannot survive when we praise you. Gotta break through all our Thanks for joining with us online this weekend as we've dug in to worship together, as we've, as we've sat in the Word of God together, and as we've learned together about the power and presence of Holy Spirit in our lives. I know for me in this Fit for Life journey, it's just been such an incredible opportunity for Holy Spirit to, to teach me, to correct me, and to help direct me in the things He's calling me to in the future. And my prayer has been that each of you have been able to have an incredible encounter with Holy Spirit as we've talked about what it means be fit for life in our mind, body, spirit, and eventually as we talk about being fit in community as well. There are so many opportunities to get connected this summer for all ages, for kids, for students, and for adults. We really believe as a church that we are called to do life together and engage in community with one another. So go to heritageqc.com to check out those opportunities to connect this summer. And we just want to thank all of you who are faithfully giving to make programming like this possible, as well as all the other ministries that God is using here within the Heritage Network. If you would like to know more about how to partner with us, you can go to heritageqc.com give, and you can learn a lot more about that. We'll see you all again next weekend.